seven o'clock. Rob Ebel, are we going? We are live. Tom Weidman, would you like to pop in? There we go. Hi, Tom. All right. You're muted right now, Tom, so you know, too. So we'll call the meeting to order. Very good. Um, we are here for the Sycamore Township Board of Trustees meeting for Tuesday, April 20th, 2021. It is 7 p.m. and we have called the meeting to order. Um, I understand that Mr. Kellums has an invocation for us. I hope that's not news to him. And uh, I'll ask everyone who can to stand and we'll proceed with that and then we'll move on to the Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done in our lives. We give you thanks for this day and for your blessings upon our township. We pray for your wisdom, Lord, and ask for your guidance as we make decisions which affect the people that we serve. And we pray that all of our decisions will be pleasing to you, Lord. We ask that your Holy Spirit gives us the gifts of listening, patience, vision, and honesty. Our desire is for your will to be done, Father, your good, pleasing, and perfect will. And we pray that we are able to truly discern what your will is, Lord. And we pray that you place a blanket of protection over the elected officials, employees, and the citizens of our township, and they give relief to those who are suffering in this ever-changing world. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. Amen. And if we could move on to the Pledge of Allegiance, if Mr. Ebel can put the flag up on the feed. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. America. And to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All right. Thank you, everyone. Mr. Porter, would you call the roll to confirm we're all here? Mr. LaBarbera? Present. Mr. James? Here. Mr. Weedman. Present. All right, a few preliminary orders of business here before we move into the meat of things. Um, first of all, as we've discussed in all our prior meetings for the last year, the state of Ohio has authorized local governments to meet through a remote means during this pandemic, uh, which we're doing tonight through video conference. Hopefully someday soon we'll be back together live. But uh, for now, votes of the Board of Trustees have the same effect as if approval had occurred during an open meeting or hearing of the public body where we were physically present with each other. State law permits resolutions and township documents to be signed with an electronic signature. Do each of you who uh, will be signing documents, which we approve tonight, give approval for your electronic signature to be placed on it? And I do. I do. I give approval. I do. All right. Very good. Sorry for the family traffic behind me here on video. So uh, let's move on to the approval of minutes and then, and then we'll come to another matter here. Um, first of all, we have the March 16th, 2021 public hearing minutes to be approved, which is actually a verbatim transcript of what occurred during that public hearing, uh, which will serve as the minutes since we have all of it there. So Scholar, if you'd like to move back to the March 16th transcript, it's there. 
so that we can get that on the screen. Can't always trust the bookmarks, I suppose. I think it's, there you go. All right, while we display that on the screen quickly, is, is there a motion to approve? Motion to approve. Is there a second? Second. Any discussion second. as to this transcript? I assume not. Mr. Porter, will you call the roll, please? Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. All right. Uh, next, we have the April 6th, 2021 trustee meeting minutes. If we can get that on screen there. Um, motion to approve. Is there a second? There is a second. All right. Any discussion as to these? Mr. Porter, will you call the roll as to these, please? Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. And then finally, in the minutes bundle, we have the April 13th, 2021 special trustee meeting minutes. If we could put that on the screen. Is there a motion as to- Motion to approve. Is there a second? There is a second. Is there any discussion? Hearing none, Mr. Porter, will you call the roll? No discussion. Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. All right. I'll note, by the way, Mr. Desai has not joined us yet for the meeting. I'm not sure what's delaying him, but I know he'll be planning to be here also. Uh, as we move on into the meeting, typically right now we would do public comments. Um, I think we confirmed before we began the meeting that no one is actually appearing for that this evening. Has that changed? Okay. I, I, I have something I'd like to say as we start out the meeting here. Um, and, and I want to first note that at all times, I want our meetings to be non-political. Um, there are things that have gotten the township in the news this week that I thought we should address for the public. The point of my doing so is not to be political or to point fingers anywhere, but I, I, I did feel this was worth saying. Um, let me put this on the screen so it'll be a little easier to read and I won't be looking down here. Um, in the 15 plus months that I've been a trustee, we've definitely lived in some interesting times. I'm happy to serve the public. I know my fellow trustees are too. And there's certainly never a dull moment in this position that each of us holds. Same as to Mr. Porter. Uh, you've probably seen troubling news reports this week about a real estate developer's accusations against a long-serving township official and the various lawsuits, which are now pending between the developer and the official. I'll refer you to the news accounts for the names and the details of the various claims. I don't know whether the developer's claims are true, and I really hope they aren't. And if they aren't, I hope the official at the center of them is cleared in the end. I don't wish unjustified accusations of misconduct on anyone, friend or foe, and I'm sure my colleagues share in that thought. But if these things did happen as claimed in years past, they were a severe breach of the public's trust. And to the extent township records do exist regarding the land deals discussed in the developer's lawsuit uh, from back then, they aren't especially helpful in sorting through the details of what happened then. I, I do want the public to know that township administration and the trustees are taking this very seriously. The scandalous tale isn't a surprise. I, I first heard it in early 2020 when the developer met me for coffee and told me much of what is now in his lawsuit. I was concerned then and I was a bit angry about what I heard and I reported it to law enforcement pretty quickly. I had a legal and ethical duty as a township, to trust, township trustee to do that. And I would expect any public official to do the same under similar circumstances if confronted with them. 
And those few of us who knew about these volatile accusations, sorry about the dogs in the background here, uh, we didn't try to play politics with them. We stayed watchful but silent and waited for state investigators to investigate. Due to COVID, that investigation took most of 2020 to slowly play out. In that time, the developer requested immunity and then exercised his right against self-incrimination when he didn't get it. The official was questioned and he strongly denied the charges and offered to take a polygraph exam and provided numerous documents. And the investigation was eventually closed a few months ago. Uh, the reason they gave was due to lack of witness cooperation and difficulty receiving bank records due to the length of time since the alleged act took place. The indefinite investigation outcome left me wondering whether the developer's story was really true or whether the official was actually the victim of a smear, or perhaps the truth is in the middle somewhere. Right now, only those two opposing parties really know the truth. The rest of us don't know and should be careful with any assumptions that we make. I do know that since the investigation concluded, lawyers have been busy. Attorneys for the accused township official have sent me and others suit threat letters and burdensome document demands. The accused official sued the developer, alleging defamation. The developer responded that what he said was true, basically. The official served subpoenas on me and others last week and sent the township a what I would call a catastrophically burdensome records request for things which basically include all documents and communications since 2011 that mention his name or relate to him. That's a lot of things, including anything on township letterhead. All of this has been happening in the background without publicity. But then the developer sued the accused township official last week, publicly laying out the whole sordid tale. That caused a firestorm of local media attention and raised public concern. Let me note again, I don't know whether the claims in the suit against the official are true. I hope they aren't. But they are worrying and we can't ignore them. We will investigate further on the township side. And this situation can't be allowed to interfere with the board doing the public's business. I want to assure Sycamore Township residents that whatever might have happened 10 years ago in our government, that was then. Voters have made some changes since then. And in the last 16 months, the board has caused changes at the top of the township staff and in how pro proposed real estate developments are handled. Our government culture is more customer service oriented and open than ever. And our meetings are live streamed and archived on YouTube, not conducted without public debate and mystery and darkness as some governments might do. A year ago, we formed a citizen's financial advisory committee to advise township officials about our finances and to keep an eye on our local government from a taxpayer perspective. This is the best place to live in Southwest Ohio. It deserves an accountable local government with accountable local officials. I assure you that we in the township will be monitoring these lawsuits for developments, which might cause need for further investigation by the township as to past dealings. And if any of the terrible allegations in the news turn out to be true, the township will aggressively pursue whatever remedies are available to it, including seeking recovery of any financial losses which might have occurred and any justice the law can provide. If you have any questions about any of this, don't hesitate to ask me or one of the other trustees or any of the other officials in the township. And again, we hope these terrible allegations aren't true, but they've certainly gotten our attention and the public's. I've been hearing about them. I'm sure others here on the board have as well. So I thought we should address that at the start of our meeting here. Um, let's move on now. We have no public comments otherwise. So let's move on to the Sheriff's Patrol report, if we could, please. Lieutenant Tarr, if you can hop in. Thank you. There you go. Is my audio on? Yes, we can hear you. Perfect. 
Um, not much uh, to report. I did want to go over one thing, and Sergeant Sovereign may have mentioned this at the last meeting. Uh, I know a lot of people didn't travel last year and probably got out of the, the habit, but we are offering a, or continue to offer vacation checks for those who are, are traveling out of the out of the area this year. So if, if you are and you'd like us to check on your residence, please just call headquarters. It's 513-825-1500. And uh, the on-duty deputy will take the information and uh, deputies will check your residence while you're gone. Very good, thank you. Anything else for us? Yeah, I wanted to chime in. Uh, Lieutenant Tarr and I have been working on a, the capital plan for the Sheriff's Department, uh, obviously centered around the vehicles. The township owns the vehicles. We currently have 14 of them, and they range in age from 2011 to 2018. Uh, so the newest vehicles we have are three years old now. We have three vehicles that are well over 120,000 miles, and they're starting to rack up some uh, maintenance fees, as you would um, predict uh, in cars that uh, are used that that much. So we're going to be coming back. You're going to hear about a sketch of a capital plan from maintenance and the fire department also, in addition to uh, the sheriff uh, cars. Um, we just want to give you kind of a lay of the land. We're going to come back with uh, sp more specific proposals of what we'd like to get done. Right now on our wish list, as we look at it with the uh, patrol cars, we feel there's three of them that should be replaced this year. Um, the replacement costs for the vehicle that uh, we're looking at, which is probably the best price for what you can get, is the Ford Explorer V6. And uh, the price for that vehicle and all of the uh, law enforcement uh, bells and whistles be around $38,500. And uh, th that amount would go a little bit lower depending on trade-in value of the cars we may trade in in their place. So um, we'll be coming back to the board soon with a more official uh, uh, proposal about all of these capital items. And then the other thing uh, we're doing is uh, spiffing up the five-year capital plans uh, so the board can have uh, uh, some look into the future when these things might come up. Right. Can I ask a question regarding the uh, those Ford Explorers? Are those uh, at thirty eight five? That's all retrofitted, correct? Including uh, is that the state bid price or state yes. bid price plus retrofitting? Yes and yes. Okay. Any other questions from anyone about that right now? Any questions for Lieutenant Hart? Well, it, if we could, if we could push out through our social media occasionally that uh, vacation check information, that would be helpful to residents. So let's see if we can do that on our township social media. But uh, thanks, Lieutenant Tar, for being here tonight with us. All right. All right. Uh, moving on to EMS and fire report then. Chief Penny, what do you have for us tonight? Good evening, everyone. Um, on the COVID side of things, we've only had three additional cases added to the um, uh, quarantine at home from the last meeting. So that's that's really good news. Um, we uh, were involved in the um, homebound vaccine um, distribution for the residents of the township that are 
uh, they can't get out of their home. And we have a list of nine residents so far that um, are in that position. So we originally were going, well, we did end up receiving last Monday the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And as soon as we got it, they banned it. So we do, we still have it and we're not allowed to do anything with it. So uh, yesterday morning, we received the uh, Pfizer vaccine that we're going to go forward with that. And, um, and we're set up for Thursday afternoon to go out and uh, give all the vaccines to the homebound residents of the township. So that's, uh, that's totally underway. And hopefully if um, we, we are putting that out on the website with the link to any residents that fit that criteria of being homebound, and they would register through the uh, uh, CDC or um, the, um, uh, the health department, and then they would um, they would be eligible to to receive that vaccine through that. I believe it. I believe it goes to the counseling of aging first, and then then to the health department. So, what sort of uh, capacity do we have for that with doses, or is is that a concern now? Can you get what you need? Well, I'm not sure. We basically. Once we receive how many residents we have, then I have to email the health department with how many vaccines we need, and then they deliver exactly what we need. So mm-hmm. it's kind of it, it's kind of time consuming because when they register for it, then we let the health department know how many vaccines we need, and then we have to wait for them to deliver the vaccine to us mm-hmm. uh, based on their availability. And then once once we get it, we have five days to get it out to everyone. So as soon as the day we get it, we'll notify the residents and, and set up a time <clears throat> within that five day period that we can get out and get the vaccine to them. Uh, we're still, it's still kind of tricky because once you puncture the vaccine, you only have six hour window to, to give it. So um, we have to have it set up to where we have everybody lined up, ready to go. Uh, so we get it out to them in that six hour window. So it's a little tricky, but um, so far, so far, we're doing okay with it. Um, if there are any questions on that, I'll move on to the Reading Road situation. Right. I know last last meeting we talked about the, um, the problems with the Reading Road, and since then, myself and Doug Morath, the fire inspector, Ray, and Skyler took a visit down there, and we walked through most of the place and looked at, evaluated what was going on. We found numerous violations, um, illegal storage. We still got half a burnt down building sitting there. So, um, Doug, um, did. Let me know if you want to share pictures, if you want me to share pictures. Uh, yeah, you can do that if you want, Skylar. Um, Doug did the violations. Um, through the fire code, and we have already sent them to the owners, so they they should have them by now. And uh, as far as the um, the fire part of it, the violations on the safety of the building and the um, uh, the fire violations that that has been delivered to them, and uh, we're waiting for a response. As you can see by these pictures, we have numerous places where the uh, plywood's been torn off the 
off of the uh, windows and the doors. There's but there's total access into there's junk everywhere. Um, you can see all these doors are all jarred open. Just an invitation for looters to go in. Um, we found uh, over on the Drake Hotel, we found a couple places where they're storing a lot of tires and a lot of uh, combustible stuff that should never even be there. So um, it, it really creates a really creates a problem for us on that part of it. Um, we did find out going through there that um, almost every bit of the copper piping and wiring has been ripped out of that place. They um, the back of the carousel has a big transformer with all the wiring to run that complex. Everything has been stripped out and cut cut away. It, it couldn't be fired back up. It, that place couldn't be used if it wanted to be because there's nothing, everything is copper's gone. So we definitely got some, some issues here that uh, we have to pursue with. And I know in Skyler's report, he's gonna report on um, some more things that he can do on the on the zoning side of things. Okay. Would, um, would, would you say ahead. from your evaluation there that uh, the pictures kind of speak for themselves too, I guess, but would you uh, describe this as being insecure? Oh yeah, definitely. See, here's uh, the transformers here that should have wiring going to it. You can see down the bottom left-hand side, every bit of the cables have been cut and uh, it's none of it's operable whatsoever. Um, the, the only reason I, I brought this to the attention of the board last meeting and Sharon at this meeting is because uh, we, we have, as I mentioned last meeting, we've already had two fires in that place. So, so things are happening. There is signs of food and things that people have been staying there, have been camping out. And, uh, and obviously they, uh, <clears throat> they've been uh, destroying the place along the way. So it's just it's just a, a petri dish basically for uh, just about everything, along with um, you know if somebody's in there when the place catches fire, they're they're you know they're going to be a problem there. So yeah, it's definitely an insecure building, and it's it's uh, doing nothing but drawing a bunch of everything we don't want down there. So. All right. Well, thanks for being part of the crew out there taking a look at everything there so we could get this good picture of it and document all of this. Now, what can we do about it? Well, uh, there, there is a couple of things that we can do. Uh, Skyler, I'll let Skyler kind of talk about that because there is some uh, things in the higher revised code along with uh, some zoning stuff that Skyler has. So I'll let him kind of talk about that part of it. Um, the only thing Ray had mentioned about the capital, we are we are looking at replacing some capital equipment ourselves. We have a we have a, a Quint uh, fire ladder fire truck. It's a fire engine and ladder truck combined that's out runs out of the North Station, and um, we really need to look at um, start getting that re that unit replaced. That it's a 1998 uh, vehicle. It's well well into its um, replacement date. We should have replaced it in 2017. We've been hanging on to it. Uh, we, we really should go ahead and um, start start planning on getting that thing replaced. And then we also have um, uh, two staff vehicles that are getting some age on them. We need to look at replacing those as well. 
And then the other ticket item was uh, I really like to, we have a trailer, a, a 28 foot trailer up there that has all of our hazmat equipment in it, has some lighting, some uh, tarps, things that we use on, on incidences. And I, I really like to go into a, a van type of truck and, and put that into a truck rather than a trailer. It's just, it's very difficult to manage the trailer. We have to maintain a, a fairly hefty pickup truck up there to, in order to tow it. And it's, uh, if, if we do have to use that vehicle, it takes very a long time to get it hooked up to a vehicle. It's, it's one of those type of trailers that you have to use the stabilizing bars and put it all together and, and, and hook it all up. And it's very time consuming. If I, if I went into a regular van, I could just have somebody drop off of the engine and drive it behind. And mm -hmm. we use that we use that vehicle uh, for the protection of the interstate with hazmat, and we also have to use it with light L chemical. With mm -hmm. any uh, if they have any instances, then we we respond up there and team up with their with their crews up there as well. So so by a van, are you thinking yeah. like a straight truck, or are you thinking an actual van? Or we're we're looking at um, uh, like a it's a freight liner. Um, type of van. It, it's a bigger, like step. The tall. Van. You mean the tall one, right, uh, Chief? Please. The tall vans. The tall van that the Freightliner makes. Yeah. Where you can, that we yeah. can stack stuff in. Yeah, on the sides. Yeah, that's it, good. I, 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 I would say you sense. would compare it to like a big size UPS truck mm -hmm. type of thing. It'd be something like that. And when when we get. When we get uh, closer to working on it, I'll, I'll show picture. I'll show you pictures of it and show you kind of what the idea, what we're trying to do. But okay. um, the to, to hook that big trailer up and try to pull it down the road right now would probably be a disaster. It's been sitting yeah. for for so long. The tires on it are probably about gone on it, and uh, it's just it's just not feasible to try to do what we want to do with it. So uh, have, having a motor, having it in a motorized van like that would make it so much easier and a quicker response on top of it. Do any of these vehicles, if, if we end up replacing them, do they have uh, resale value of any kind or are they um, junk? No, the, the, the Quint would be very little. <laughs> um, it's a it's a pretty old truck. Matter of fact, that Quint is so old that it still has uh, the four drum brakes on it, which they pretty much banned. Uh, they don't even make a truck anymore with drum brakes or all disc brakes. And to get that thing to stop is really difficult <laughs> because of the, the old brake system on it. So we, we really haven't been using it other than just a backup unit because of its age and because of how hard it is to get it to stop. So um, the quicker we get rid of that, the better. Um, the two staff cars we have probably have, they probably have some value to them. You know, they're probably seven or eight thousand dollars a piece probably is what we could get out of them so when we get to that point we can uh we can definitely put them on the the governor's uh or the that gov website and sell it that way auction mm -hmm. it off <clears throat> and then next i'm not going to do it this year but probably in the next year we're probably going to replace the old uh 2007 ambulance that one of the internationals that we uh bought we we bought two ambulances at the same time back in 2017 or 2007 but the one of them if you remember got totaled uh, mm -hmm. from the crash and we had mm -hmm. it back and had it rechassied so it's basically a new squad so it's okay but the 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 other unit that we bought at the same time is still the original 2007 it's it's uh it's going to be a need to replace you know 
probably in the next year or so. All right. Anyone have any questions for Chief Finney? Yeah, Chief, uh, why don't you do this for us? Uh, make a priority list. What do you want on top first and second? Did you do that? Yeah, we can do that. Mm -hmm. Very good. All right, thanks, Chief. Um, okay, I'll let I'll let Skyler finish up the Reading Road thing on his. Report. Yeah, I, I was going to ask. Do you want uh, Do you want to finish up that conversation or wait until the planning and zoning portion? Uh, we could wait until planning and zoning, I think, at this point, since we already kind of deviated a little away from it. So That's fine. Okay. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and do uh, roads first. So, Tracy, you are up then. All right, first thing I have is, uh, as you know, this past weekend or this past Saturday was document shredding. I, I know all three of uh, you made an appearance there. Uh, the, uh, it was very busy. That, that is a service that the residents really love. And uh, we brought in 14,700 pounds, so seven tons of documents in four hours. So uh, extremely busy. That's uh, It works out much better being behind the township building. You know, we try to consolidate it with Trash Bash. Thought it would be great to do it all because it's a recycling weekend, but it was just too much traffic. It worked out much better behind the township building the way we used to do it. So we'll probably continue to do it that way. Tracy, about what does that cost us each time we do it? Uh, I'd have to get back to you with those numbers. I'm okay. exactly sure. Uh, the reason I ask, I had some residents ask me uh, if we'd consider doing it twice a year. And I think we usually do it once, don't we? We do it once. Yeah. yeah. We normally do it in April after uh, what is normally um, uh, tax Taxi. day. Right. Um, well, if you could let us know in the next meeting what the approximate numbers are, it might be something to think about doing it in conjunction with each trash bash and doing one in the fall, maybe two. But if it's cost prohibitive, maybe not. Yeah, we, we don't do a fall trash bash. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. We, we only did it in the fall last year because COVID. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. Yeah. COVID on my brain here. But document shredding, on the other hand, is a slightly smaller scale thing to do, too. So it could be feasible to do another if cost-wise it made sense. It may not make sense cost-wise either. Yeah, I'd just yeah. be interested to see the numbers. I mean, it is interesting. I mean, it's, you know, we can we can check out that those prices. It's not that it's so busy that they're lined up out the street. We don't fill both those trucks. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not like Trash Bash where... Right. They're, they're lined up down the street. So, uh, yeah, but, but I'll get back with you on those prices. Cause I do not have those off, okay. off the top of my head right now. Okay. And I interrupted you then. So go ahead. Thanks. So the weekend before we had trash bash up North, uh, we hauled out 13 dumpsters, uh, to Rumpke. Uh, we hauled out two dumpsters of appliances and steel to recycling, uh, several hundred tires, uh, we've got our trash bash coming up this weekend at Bechtold, uh, where we also uh, take the hazardous waste. So, uh, you know, if we don't get more snow, since it's supposed to snow tonight, I think we'll be okay. But the uh, the Bechtold one's always uh, busier. Uh, last year, we pulled out over 25 dumpsters that, uh, down at Bechtold, so... Uh, couple years in a row we've been extremely busy down there so uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what this weekend brings
Other than that, uh, as you know, Kugel Mill's being worked on. Uh, it's closed to, except for local traffic uh, in between Blue Ash and Kenwood. Uh, they have finished installing the water main. They are currently working on storm sewer. Uh, and uh, our, our road program has started. They're up in Trowbridge uh, replacing curbs. Uh, we're getting ready for that program to start also. So uh, let's jump right into our, our capital plan. Uh, I believe quick, you all had quest, question for you first. Sorry, you, you mentioned okay. the Google Mill project. Uh, I know that I'll be shifting over to the other side of Kenwood Road toward the highway once they get done with what they're doing now. We talked in one of our recent meetings about uh, making sure that they were coordinating with whatever development activity was going to start happening with those new houses on Coogler Mill. Have you had any contact with anybody about that? I have not. I've tried to reach out to Waterworks. I mean, that's who we're really concerned about, uh, that we don't end up with 11 cuts but it doesn't look like the uh, it doesn't look like the schedules are going to work out. So I am going to reach out to the county. I mean, after putting all this money into it, if uh, we're if we're going to have eleven cuts in that short area, I believe we need that whole span uh, right there, milled and filled, curb to curb. We 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 can't spend all this money and have 11 cuts across the road. Yeah. Thanks. It would not look good for us <laughs> or the county or anybody. Yeah. You know, schedules just are, are not working out. Hmm. You know, especially with the way those 11 houses are probably going to be drawn out. You know, there's only a, I forget, what what's the number? One of you might remember. There's a You're number of houses three. that have to be completed. I believe it's three. Yeah, three initially. Before the other development starts. So, there's yeah. no way all 11 of those houses are going to be finished by the time we, because our project's going to be completed in, you know, a few months here. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's just not going to work. Mm. But I, I will continue to research that with the county and with Waterworks, especially. Thanks. So I believe you all received something about our capital expenses uh, for uh, maintenance in your uh, packet. I have made a couple slight changes to that. I've removed a couple of the lower price uh, items uh, and added a snow plow that we have to replace. And the cost of our dump trucks, I believe I had two and a quarter in there, uh, are actually going to be about 245 for the two of them, completely outfitted. So I want to bring this to you. We're probably going to come back in May for actual uh, to to but I to uh, get the money appropriated. But uh, I, I wanted to let you see what we're looking at. Uh, as you know, uh, I gave you a five-year capital plan last year. These trucks were on that plan for this year. Uh, we're already a little behind. We usually do this in January, so we're a few months behind already. Plus the fact that there's a shortage of chips, uh, computer chips that are going into vehicles. So they're saying that the, the trucks are, are being delayed. So uh, it's, it'll be probably the end of this year at the earliest that we would receive these trucks, but we really get, need to get moving on them. 
these two trucks are replacing uh, two of these small dumps that are basically the same size. One's a 2005, one's a 2007. Uh, beds are really rusting out, and they're, uh, one of them's particularly uh, starting to cost us a lot of downtime and maintenance. Uh, I, I believe you saw on there that we had a utility bed for the mechanic on there. We are just going to take one of the, the beds off the newer truck, and we would like to put the utility bed on there. It's not a truck that can be used every day and plowing snow in the way we use it now, but it's plenty good to, to reutilize as a mechanics truck uh, that, that he would use out on the road. So the total for every, and I uh, want to talk to you about, as you see there, I had a salt conveyor on there for about 10 grand. That is a shared cost among eight townships. That's about an $80,000 purchase. Uh, there's eight townships basically here on the east side that want to go in on that together. There has been a, a, a maintenance agreement uh, put together for that also. Uh, we've all been sharing a, a conveyor for years, one that Anderson bought years ago. It's no longer really functional. So rather than one person just buying it, because you're only going to use it a couple times a year to fill your barns, uh, we thought it would be good to share that cost. You know, we share a lot with other townships as it is. This would be the first time that we have actually had a joint uh, purchasing venture. Uh, but I, I think this would save us all a lot of money and, uh, and work out well for us. That's a good thing. So, uh, so our capital expenses that we're looking at uh, are, are right around 300,000 for the year. 306 actually is what I have. So if you don't have any, and I believe I also uh, supplied you in your packets information about the truck. Mm -hmm. uh, you had asked for some specs, so I, I supplied some a packet, some specs for the truck and for the equipment. Uh, but that that price that I, that I showed you, that is a total outfitted and out the door. And this is through the government buying program, so not something that needs to go out to bid. Is that correct? Uh, well, the the truck body equipment that is actually a state bid, hmm. and the the other one, the, the bid that I gave you for McCluskey, that is actually under state bid. That's even so, better. So that, that's even better. We, we put together the state bid, went out, got that uh, federal bid also from Sourcewell, who we've used in the past. Uh, we have done this before. Uh, anytime uh, you can get it under state bid, you're looking good. And, and it's not just a few dollars. It's uh, it's somewhere around five to $7,000 under. Good work in getting that then. Thank you. Yes. For doing that, Trace. Thank Jim, you, you broke that. up there. Say that again. Uh, I just said thank you for doing that, Tracy. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now, the only other thing I have, and I believe I supplied this in your packet also, was the proposal from Carpenter Marty. If you remember, uh, we had an RFQ that went out for engineering services. 
for the culverts in Dillonvale that we need to do headwall work on. Uh, we raided all those firms, came back, uh, brought to you at the last meeting that uh, Carpenter Marty was the highest scoring one. Uh, you uh, told me to go ahead and get a proposal from them. So I wanted to show you this. This proposal's $48,600 in all. That includes all the surveying and monuments finding. So if you uh, take the surveying out, because they're doing everything in-house, the actual engineering for the project is right around 8%, which is extremely reasonable. Uh, so I'm very pleased with these guys. I actually met them in the field today. They are getting ready to get started. As you know, uh, we're, this project is uh, being paid for by the 25% unencumbered TIFs. So uh, we are on a time crunch to get that done this year. You know, in, in our uh, RFQ, we put that it had to be completed. Engineering had to be completed at the latest at the end of August. So Carpenter Marty has approached me and said, I believe that's too late. I think we need to get it done in July. I've met with them today. Uh, we're going to clear some spots as long as you approve this proposal there you're going to start surveying immediately he's telling me today he believes he can have this done by the end of june so that we can get our bid out uh that you know you you can't ask for more than that considering we're already two-thirds of the way through april so what do you need from us right now as so really i just need a motion and we i will come back is is deepak on yet no. He is not. No. Okay. He'll be here. He'll be here shortly. You'll get a okay. resolution presented to you next time, right, Tracy? Yes. So that's correct. So the next time we will have a resolution and a PO for you. All right. So you don't you know, need approval to move like, toward that now, or do you? I don't yeah, think I would so. Like to, oh, you well, want one? Like okay. A, yeah, I would like a motion to proceed just so that the engineering firm knows that it's okay for them to get started. All right. Is there a motion, motion to do? A motion. All right. Is there a second? I'll second that. Uh, we have a motion to proceed with this Carpenter Marty proposal, mm -hmm. which we'll put into a resolution going forward. But to give approval now, we have a second. Any discussion? All right. Mr. Porter, will you call the roll on the vote, please? Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman. Aye. Unless there's any further questions, gentlemen, that's all I have. Uh, just a few quick things because you know I always have questions. Um, in our last regular meeting, we were talking about the Duke uh, concerns about the Heitmeyer neighborhood and other neighborhoods in the area and power frequently going out. You and uh, Mr. Warwick had a meeting I believe with a Duke representative after that meeting. And I know I've seen some emails after that as to what's going on, but is there anything you can report to the public as to what happened and what's going on with that? Well, we have met with them. Uh, they pulled all the records from the area within the last two years, uh, showed us what the uh, outages were caused by. One was a car wreck. One was a uh, uh, workers 
that that uh, hit a line. The last outage that covered the whole Kenwood area, if you remember that that bigger outage that we had, it was actually an animal that got into their substation mm-hmm. that caused that. So actually, there were only I believe two outages because of trees in the backyards that were hitting ranches. I know there's there's been emails back and forth. Uh, they are making they were not scheduled until 2022 to go back into that area and do any vegetation control, but uh, they are putting on priority and hitting a couple addresses uh, this year to get that done. Uh, so as of right now, that's all I have to report there. They're feeling, I, I know it's, it's heightened because they've had so much trouble over the years, but their feeling was that uh, it was not an overage uh, not a big abundance of outages. I said, well, that's a lot more than I've had in two years at my house. Yeah. But, uh, there, there were, uh, you know, there, there were, there were a lot of areas that were a lot worse. I asked them to check into the, uh, the pilot program that, uh, they had talked to us about a few years ago when they were talking about underground. I know there was, a another community that their outages were much worse. I believe they were doing that there. Uh, Brad, uh, our, our uh, liaison has not gotten back to us with the details of that, I don't believe, uh, but he was not aware of a program uh, that was going on for that right now. So uh, as of right now, it's, it's just going to be vegetation control to, uh, to try to keep all the trees away from the lines. Yeah. Well, that's a start at least. All right. Thanks. Uh-huh. Uh, it, one one other question. I don't know if you have an answer to this either, but these projects, these ambitious projects, we are starting on with the 25% of TIF money. What happens if they aren't done by the end of the year? God forbid, like happened with the maintenance building not being done on time. <laughs> um, I do not have an answer to that. I am just, we, we will get them done. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Anyone else so have a question? With, with our with our big project, we have a great contractor. Uh, if you've been down Montgomery Road, uh, they're they're working over there right now. They want to leave there and come straight to the township so they don't leave the area. If that happens, we'll be way ahead of schedule. Very good. Any questions from anybody else for Mr. Callums? Tom, you're muted. Tracy, I just want to thank your, you and your crew for the uh, great job, both on the north uh, trash bash and also on the uh, uh, shredding. They did an excellent job. And I know in the north trash bash that, that uh, Saturday, they got uh, drenched pretty good because it rained pretty hard. So uh, uh, they did an excellent job, and hopefully it's going to be a, uh, a good trash bash this, uh, this weekend as well. So uh, thanks to all your guys. Thank you. I'll pass that on. Yeah. Let me echo that too. Thank you. Yeah. Any other questions for Mr. Kellams? Well, thanks, Tracy. Uh, yep. On to Mr. Miller then for planning and zoning, and welcome, Mr. Desai. Hello, everyone. All right. Good evening, gentlemen. Um, so uh, I, I guess I'll take care of the the agenda item first, and then we'll we'll circle back around to the the report on Reading Road. Um, so. At our last uh, at our last trustee meeting, we discussed uh, uh, some issues we're having with with 
the implementation of the, um, uh, the I guess the uh, the pay protocols for our uh, our zoning boards, both zoning commission and BZA. So we do have a uh, a resolution uh, in your packet. Uh, let me just go ahead and share this. All we're doing is is cleaning up language. We're not we're not changing pay rates or anything like that. Uh, this is um, th this is simply an amendment to the resolution from 2013-2013-02, uh, which established this pay rate. And under Section 1, we have members of the Sycamore Township Zoning Commission and the Sycamore Township Board of Zoning Appeals shall be compensated as independent contractors at a rate of $100 per month. Members may miss one meeting per year without effect to the compensation to be paid. And additional absences will result in a one-month reduction in compensation per absence after the first. So still a little wordy, but I, I think it's as straightforward as we can get. Uh, we we want to give that, that one meeting grace period. Uh, if there's if there's attendance issues after that, then um, you know we'll we'll reduce pay accordingly. Honestly, if we if if we get into a scenario where a uh, uh, a member of either of these uh, um, the whether it's the board or the commission, um, you know, is, is absent that much. Uh, we may need to discuss either either them resigning because they have other uh, other commitments, uh, or you know, um, you know, discuss a different uh, um, a different resolution to that. Skyler, so we have great boards. I don't think that that hasn't been an issue. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm just going to say, I don't think we've had that issue in the past. I think it's been, uh, we've always had good attendance. So I don't, I don't know that we're going to run into that. We got two great boards. So. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll go on the record. You know, uh, I've, uh, I, I've been in planning and zoning or, uh, or, uh, municipal management in in multiple communities. Uh, these are by far the, uh, uh, the most professional, um, you know zoning boards that that I have ever worked with. It we are we are truly blessed with the the quality of our members. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I have I have nothing but good things to say about our group. I would agree Skyler, from my I'm experience in seeing them. Go ahead, Mr. LaBarbera. Skyler, I'm glad we're taking I'm glad we're taking care of this because as I mentioned last meeting, uh, Jeff Heidel. Uh, brought up to me, a member of the Zoning Appeals Board, that uh, apparently he didn't get a couple of paychecks last year. So hopefully, uh, I know this is not retroactive to last year, but hopefully this will now straighten things out. Thank you. Yeah, uh, so uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I did want to mention uh, before before uh, the, the board takes action on this, um, I, I currently have this written as retroactive to, uh, to January 1st. If if we have past issues, I don't I don't know if you want to go back six months. Um, I'll, I'll leave that to to your discretion. Um, you know, and, and again, the whole reason for this we're not we're not changing the the actual rate of pay. Uh, there was simply a, a discrepancy between uh, the original written resolution and what the actual practice was, and I think that that caused some confusion for us last year, um, especially with the changeover and um and the administration and just for the public's ref reference then the resolution previously said per actual meeting as opposed to monthly the practice had become 
paying monthly, on the other hand, for some period of time, which went off resolution and was Mm -hmm. paying money that wasn't necessarily approved to be paid. Then we went back to what the resolution said, which Mm -hmm. upset everyone's expectations and understandably so. So this will now put the monthly payment practice in place, which we all, I think, think is is justified from what we discussed in a prior meeting about it. So um, in, in terms of going back retroactively before the first of the year, my suggestion for that would be we go with the resolution as is. But if you determine, in fact, there were times last year where those expectations got upset, bring that to the board and we'll look at that in the future as to whether there's something to do. But we'd be looking at a different year's appropriations then too. And I don't know how complicated that might make things. So, all right, well, if the, unless there are other comments, why don't you present the resolution? Okay, uh, so uh, we have a resolution amending rates of pay for the Sycamore Township Zoning Commission and Board of Zoning Appeals, dispensing with a second reading and declaring an emergency. Motion. Second. All right, we have a motion to approve the resolution and a second. Any further discussion? Mr. Porter, will you call the roll, please? Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. I guess I do have a question just to clarify too, since we're changing what we might've gone into at the start of the year, does this line up with existing appropriations or do we need to amend those at some point in the year to make sure this syncs up with what we'll be paying for the zoning members? No, again, this is, uh, this is our, uh, our current rates of pay. Uh, the issue comes in was, you know, if, if we didn't actually hold a meeting due to lack of an agenda, um, we didn't issue payment, but at the beginning of the year for appropriations, we, we are assuming um, you know, that there all will meetings be, will occur. There'll, there'll be a monthly yeah. meeting, right? Okay. So, all right. Thank you. So that shouldn't change. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm getting a little feedback here. Hang on. Uh, so we have, uh, we need to circle back around to the, uh, the Reading Road properties, the, the Blue Tide, um, the Blue Tide properties. Those are, uh, as we discussed, currently in uh, currently in foreclosure. Um, there has been a receiver assigned by by the courts. Um, uh, as Chief mentioned, uh, we did do a uh, a site visit. Doug Morath has issued um, fire viol- uh, fire code violations. Uh, we issued um, let's see, we, we issued public nuisance. Uh, zoning code and property maintenance code violations earlier today on this. It, it's racking up to about a dozen different um, uh, violation uh, violations that uh, um, that we've cited. So those are uh, being sent to both property owner, lien holders, uh, uh, county auditor, and Basically, we're just kind of setting up the, the groundwork for, for some kind of enforcement. Uh, once we, uh, we, we are in the situation where uh, both of these properties uh, already have open public nuisance uh, uh, claims against them. Uh, we have a court order on the Drake, and we also have a, uh, an open public nuisance uh, from the Board of Trustees. Um, from the the last time this caught on fire, that was that was never closed out because they they didn't fully um, uh, abate or remediate the the issue. So 
so this is just kind of kind of layering on some additional uh, items here at this point. Uh, and also in 2016, actually, let me let me go back here. So our our general public nuisance for trash and debris, uh, we we actually use Ohio Revised Code. Uh, that's that's section 505.87 for that. Uh, that's where the Board of Trustees declare a nuisance, and we have the ability uh, within a period of time to go in and, and, and abate that issue. Um, you know, we send them a bill. If they don't pay it, uh, then, then we put the lien on the property. There is another Ohio Revised Code um, section that we could use, and it looks like the township has used on these properties in the past. That's 505.86. And this has to do with, with the actual building and structure. So um, it says if a board of township trustees by resolution, um, they may uh, provide for removal, repair, or securance of buildings or other structures in the township that have been declared insecure, unsafe, or structurally defective uh, by any fire department under contract with the township or county building department. So. Uh, we obviously have uh, our, our fire department declaring uh, that these that these buildings are, are unsafe. Um, we need to have a, a follow-up meeting with our law director to to determine the extent of um, you know what action we can take under this uh, under this code. Uh, and he and I began discussions about that earlier today. Um, it looks like in the past they were used to secure the building, um, you know, but now we have a different uh, a different scenario out there. Uh, where there's actually uh, you know, parts of the building that um, you know have caught fire and are, are truly unsafe, not just not just unsecure. So um, you know how how far we can we can push that um, you know uh, remains up for discussion. If there's but, a foreclosure uh, underway as to these properties, what do we know the timing of how that's going to play out? Because that might affect when we would want to do something if we did something too. Sure. Well, uh, you know, the, the the fact that we have uh, there's already a receiver for for the property. Uh, you know, we're pushing all this out because that uh, the the receiver has a lot of authority uh, in Ohio to uh, to affect change on pro on the property. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping that with all of this we you know, we certainly get their attention and hopefully we have somebody that you know a property manager of sorts uh, that's that's going to be responsive to us. Um, you know, as far as how this, this, you know, plays out timing wise, uh, I, I don't have a good answer for you right, right this moment. There's a lot of moving parts to this. Um, so we're just trying to do our part to kind of stack it, stack the deck up front. Uh, it's been less than a month since, uh, since the original filing. Uh, so we're, like I said, we're just, we're trying to get, um, everything in play as soon as possible. Uh, the one thing I should say about 505.86, um, that does require a resolution by the trustees, again, declaring the property, uh, the property a nuisance um, and, and ordering that remediation. That has a 30-day notice window from, from the date that that is uh, approved. So to get the ball rolling on that, um, I don't know if we want to wait until the next regular trustee meeting or if we want to hold a special meeting um, to, to do that earlier. So I'll, uh, uh, again, I'll talk to Mr. Desai on that and we can, we can make a recommendation to you in the near future. As to the citations that were issued today, is there a response deadline or period for those? We should factor that in. 
Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, I believe it's a week. And again, the, uh, the, the delay here, um, is actually reduced because they're already, they're already in violation. They already have open, uh, public nuisance claims against them. So I, I think a lot of this is, is really just, um, you know, assessing the current situation of the property. And, uh, you know, we still have, we still have the authority to go in. Um, we just, you know, we need to see what kind of cooperation we're going to get from the receiver. So if we go in and do it, we have then a lien on the property to secure our repayment of our costs. Is that correct? Uh, we have, we have that legal process in place that we can, uh, we can either, either bill or get that lien on. So if I, if I could chime in here, I would, uh, I'll add that, uh, back with the fire, they, the fire building that you saw on the pictures, that fire took place last year in February, February, 2020. And right, right after that fire within a week, uh, we went down and met with the owner and he promised us that he was going to clean that area up, clean up all the debris and totally fence in the whole complex to keep people out. And, and none of it's been done. And it's Chief, been over that, a year. Yeah. Was that, uh, that was in February. I thought that yeah. happened. I thought the, I thought the large structure fire was, uh, was later in the year. I don't think, I don't, I don't think it's it. It was it was somewhere in February, Mark, I believe. February or March, but it was it's been a year at least. Okay, I believe we've had the property um, uh, officially in nuisance, and and that that case has been opened. I think at least since September. Well, if you and Mister Desai could have a resolution for us at least at our next meeting, but if you determine it's prudent that we might want to have a special meeting as to that contact Mr. Warwick and we can make arrangements for that. Um, but the sooner we can get something done there, the better, of course. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Okay. Deepak, did you have anything to add on that? Yeah, I think it's a good summary of where we're at. Mm -hmm. Anyone else have any questions about that? All right. Anything else for us on the zoning side? Um, I do have a I do have a follow up meeting with the uh, the Reading Road Corridor Group. Uh, again, that's the uh, um, the administrative body, uh, the the multi jurisdictional group from um, represented by those jurisdictions in and around uh, Reading Road Corridor County, uh, the city of Cincinnati, Reading, Amberley Village, uh, and and the port. Um, the, the port is certainly taking a uh, an interest in uh, in these properties and this uh, this foreclosure action. Um, so I, I won't go into too much detail with that, but they are they are certainly watching this 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 case um, uh, quite closely. So um, you know there there may be some action from them in the near future as well. Uh, Skyler, do we have a uh, do we have a, um, a nuisance property on fourth? Uh, we do not anymore. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to, yeah, okay. I'm happy to report that uh, the uh, uh, the property owner is working with us. Uh, it's 11th hour, but uh, um, they they were able to uh, to abate the property uh, issues on their own. 
uh, it was actually, it was actually after the, the trash bash, which is, which is kind of odd. They had not, they had a great opportunity to, to utilize that, um, you know, that, that township resource, uh, but they did do it on their own. Um, a, a lot of times the, this happens, not every property that we put in violation comes in front of the board of trustees. Um, you know, we're, we're always working to, uh, to get voluntary compliance. And like I said, it was 11th hour this time, but I'm, I'm happy to say it happened. Great. All right. Any other zoning concerns from your end? Uh, that's all I have for tonight. I, I've got a question for you. We were emailing back and forth about today that some residents have been concerned about in Heitmeyer Farms on Bayberry. There's a uh, somewhat uh, apparently commercial truck with no commercial markings that isn't really large, but has a bucket on it that's just been parked there and the neighbors say it hasn't moved and it's even plugged into an electrical cable to the house. Can you explain just generally what the rules are for things like that and why this one's on the, the, the edge of being compliant rather than non-compliant? Sure. Uh, so first off, uh, you know, when, anytime you're dealing with the right of way, it, it's difficult to, uh, to, to utilize zoning as, as kind of your first tool uh, or your, your first police power. Uh, if you will. Uh, typically, when you're talking about zoning, you're, you're talking about uh, issues of private property, uh, what, what someone is doing on their property, how they're, how they're placing things, the, how they're maintaining it. Uh, once you go out into the public domain, the right of way, um, you know, the, the, the police power that we have starts to um, kind of be diminished. Uh, with that being said, we, we do have some provisions for, uh, you know, on-street parking in residential areas. Um, and we, we do allow for, um, you know, uh, smaller work vehicles, commercial vehicles in residential areas. Um, you know, if, if I'm a, you know, if I'm a spectrum repairman, you know, you know, or, serviceman and I, I bring my my work van home that that can be parked in my drive um, or or in a or in a garage or even on the street out in front uh, the question is is an order uh, it's, it's a matter of intensity um, you know I, I can I can have a small van you know a, a minivan of sorts uh, but you know we we don't necessarily want tractor trailers in our residential areas so uh, where the, the, the township uh, by policy, by, by zoning resolution, where we've drawn that line is anything larger than one and a half ton um, as a standard um, is, is prohibited uh, within, within those residential areas. Um, the, the truck in question, it, it looks like, uh, I don't know if it's a Chevy or Ford, but it's, it's that 250, 2500, uh, chassis, I believe, uh, which is, which is, I think a three quarter ton. So it's, it's well under that, that threshold, even with the, the work, uh, cab, um, it, it doesn't fit our definition of a prohibited commercial vehicle. Now running a, running a, um, a cable, um, a power cable across the, the public right of way to, to keep that plugged in, you know, that, that's, that's, you know, immediately a, a health and safety issue, and um, you know it's, it's tripping hazard on the sidewalks. You know, that's something we can we can go take care of right away. Uh, but as far as that vehicle being there, um, you know, I believe 
it's either properly tagged or it's within the grace period that uh, that's currently allowed right now because of the you know this this pandemic status mm. and it's, uh you know it it appears to be operable um you know it doesn't it doesn't fit the junk vehicle standards i i don't have any authority to um to 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 deem it a violation as a matter of fact it's it's quite lawful where it's at what if it never moves on the other hand some neighbors have reported it doesn't move i, I don't know if it's used for commuting or not but if it just sits there on the street unmoving for months is is that a concern uh, again, zoning is zoning is not the 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 best tool uh, for for this type of issue. I don't have any provisions for that. Typically, in the past, um, you know, I believe that the county sheriff's office has has marked tires. I don't believe they're currently practicing that right now. So, um, you know, it, it does fall into this. Uh, you know, again, the, this gray area of enforcement. So I don't know if Tracy or uh, uh, Lieutenant Tar want to weigh in on on that piece, but I, I can't do anything about it. Yeah, I would have to uh, ask Lieutenant Tar how he feels about it. I, I know, you know, we, we've talked about this in a couple of meetings in the past. You know, the, the sheriff's office used to come out any police. Uh, officer did and and they'd mark tires so they'd have 48 hours but from what i understand as long as it is now a licensed properly licensed vehicle that is no longer a practice uh and now with covid you know you're getting two to three months extra to even get your plates mm -hmm. so even if they're uh expired i i don't think that uh is going to come into play uh, my other question for Mr. Tar would be for Lieutenant Tar would be, uh, we're having a problem with trailers yeah. that are parked on the street without being hooked up to a vehicle. Now they are properly tagged, but I, I always thought before that we a trailer had to be hooked up to a a, uh, a a vehicle so that it was mobile and, and not an obstruction of the right of way. But I'll let Lieutenant Tar uh, handle all those questions. <laughs> Tracy, I'm glad you weighed in on that. I, that's where I was going next. So I think we've got a couple things. Um, the first thing, as to the length of time that a vehicle can sit on the roadway, um, and whether Mr. James, whether it can just sit there for months, no, it can't. Um, the problem is there was a, I think, I'm not sure if it was a 2018 or 2019 decision. What we, someone just mentioned, we used to just go out and, and chalk tires and then you could tell if a vehicle had moved or not. Um, that was deemed an unlawful search and seizure. Mm -hmm. We're no longer able to do that. So we have virtually, and, and I've, I've talked to some surrounding agencies to see what they're doing. I, I haven't come up with any way that other than sitting a, a guy in front of a car for 24 hours to see if it moves or, or filming it. I, I, I'm not really sure uh, how we could verify that a car hasn't moved. Mm -hmm. um, so our, our enforcement action on that is, is completely, it's out the window. Some of the neighbors have been filming it, I think. I got a video from one of them today, but of course that was a momentary thing, just pointing it out and talking about it. Well, and the problem with that, Mr. James, is you, you run it, it's an evidentiary issue. When was mm. it filmed? Who filmed it? How, you know, I, it's just, it's a it's a nasty problem. I, Skylar, we spoke about this a couple of meetings ago. I, I just, yeah. I don't have, a, it's not that it's, 
not something we're looking at, but I don't have a solution right now. Is it uh, possible to to contact the resident on the other hand, or just knock on the door and note the well, vehicle's been there? So that's what we're doing. And yeah. we, we, Dillon Vale area, we had one this week where, you know, we went and talked to the owner and the cars moved, but then, you know, the residents are complaining, you know, it moves right away, but then it doesn't, it doesn't move for a while. Yeah. So, um, I, I, I don't have a great answer for, for the, as far as how we enforce whether a car can sit for more than 24 hours. Hmm. Um, the trailers, they can, uh, Tracy, as long as they're registered, they can, sit on the roadway as long as they you know conform to any other uh parking re restrictions um there's not a lot we can do about it. they do not have to be hooked up to a vehicle and then i think the third question was about the the licensing you know is a, is a vehicle license and with the governor's you know with the suspension of the licensing restrictions or the extension of the um the uh requirements to have your uh tags renewed there's not a lot we can do until that's enforced on that end or that's uh relieved on that end okay hey as far as the trailers go uh the trailers is, is that something in the orc or would the township trustees as a home rule uh government be allowed to pass a resolution that would say trailers had to be hooked up to a vehicle I think that might be a question, better question, or answered better by DPOC, but I, I believe you could um, come up with a re resolution that we could enforce, like your others. All right. We, similar consideration, too. This particular truck, I hate to single out a particular one, but it may be within the tonnage requirements, but it's also a bucket truck, which is not a typical commercial commuting vehicle, even so, even for someone who might use a commercial truck with a, 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 you know, enclosure on the back. Is there anything we can do about that? Um, short answer, unfortunately, is no. You know, it, it you know, the. I don't mean way, under our current code. I mean, could we have a resolution restricting parking of vehicles of that sort? That would be a question for DPOC. That would definitely be a question for DPOC. You know, I, I, I would. You're, you're, we're we're going to get into the weeds and and start and and create a lot of new categories of um, you know of commercial commercial vehicles you know so so the you know the, the heating and cooling van is allowed but you know or mm -hmm. you know a work a, a work truck with um, you know a, a a work bed on it that has doors might be allowed but then if it has you know this this other you know, box or something, you know, what, yeah. you know, where do we draw the line? And yeah. I, there, there's such a variety of different, um, you know, types of equipment that you can have on, on a vehicle. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure how, how short and sweet this, you know, uh, this, this mm -hmm. regulation could be. We can start Deepak, Tracy, we can, we can certainly talk about this and, and see if we can figure it out. I, I think the the current zoning resolution attempts to um, to do that by focusing on the chassis and you know its its weight cap you know its its weight capabilities. Um, you know it's easy to look at a chassis and say that's a half ton, that's a quarter ton, that's you know a, a ton and a half. Mm -hmm. um, I, those those terms might be somewhat antiquated though because towing uh, towing capabilities have have changed uh, quite a bit over time. 
um, you know, maybe maybe more of a volume standard, you know, maximum length, maximum height uh, might be something we can talk about. But if we well, put, start put your heads together over that now, we don't we don't need to continue discussing uh, it now, I guess. But that's fine. Right. Come up with some well, thoughts. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. Skyler, right? I, I like the idea rather than wading into all of this, I like the idea of uh, Lieutenant Tar just not rather than come up with the resolutions or what have you. Try that idea. Okay. All right. That's uh, all I have. Thank you very much. Well, we'll move on to Law Director Report if you're ready, Mr. Desai. So. Yes, sir, Mr. James. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Uh, just a couple of updates uh, on some um, cases that are out there. Uh, first, in the House of Brow case, uh, we have our hearing on all motions, most importantly, the motion to enforce the settlement agreement uh, scheduled for May 26th, so that's about a month away. Um, the other litigation going on right now is uh, the uh, appeal that uh, Ms. Willis made of the BZA's decision approving the parking lot for Muller High School. Uh, my understanding from talking to Muller's attorney is that uh, they are engaged in ongoing settlement negotiations with Ms. Willis. Um, however, they have not reached an agreement. Um, so we are now coming up on uh, what we like to refer to as our briefing deadlines. Um, Ms. Willis's brief is going to be due here in about uh, 10 days, and then uh, our brief will be due at the beginning of June. So hopefully we, uh, they're able to reach resolution, but uh, right now the appeal continues to move forward uh, with some briefs due. Um, I'll entertain any questions about either of those cases anyone has. Question about Ms. Willis's suit. If she is engaged in negotiations, and I, know, I think there are some other neighbors involved in that possibly with her, uh, with Moeller and they come to some resolution, where does that leave us in all of this? Do we need to approve this proposed settlement too, if it's a change to what was previously approved by Board of Zoning Appeals? Or Correct. Does the we, court we, we are, we're named as, um, you know, the um, uh, defendant uh, appellee. So um, ultimately any settlement is going to require our blessing. Hmm. And at that point, though, is the further contest period extinguished if some third-party neighbor who wasn't involved in the suit before doesn't like the settlement? Well, they, I believe their time is run, right? They had 30 days after the BZA decision to, to uh, appeal mm -hmm. it to the court, and the only uh, interested party who filed a appeal was Ms. Willis. Mm -hmm. All right. And as to the House of Browse case, I, I drove by there a couple hours before our meeting. No change in the signage there from what we've seen before. Um, any progress on the front of it just getting done <laughs> that you've heard of? Um, I do know that um, uh, there was a meeting between a representative of the property owner and a uh, the zoning department to explain that the uh, masonry work needed to come up to the sign face and uh, that the panels couldn't just be um, you know, non-existent. You had to at least put white panels in. Um, so we'll see whether or not they comply with that. But um, that'll all be part of the motion that gets heard by uh, the court on May 26th. All right. Any questions for Mr. Desai from anyone else? All right. Thanks, Deepak. Let's move on to our administrator report then. Mr. Warwick. 
I have several large POs and I'd like to make a request, uh, Mr. Chairman, that we bundle a couple of them together because they're rather routine. It's going to be very, if you allow me to do that, it's going to be very hard for Skylar to keep up and find all these in the stack. Uh, I just make that suggestion out of uh, efficiency and time. Okay. So the first is uh, five purchase orders. And these, hyper-technically, we don't e wouldn't really bring them before you because this is paying the schools their TIF tax money. And obviously, we're obligated to do that through the uh, TIF contracts. But let me go through, and I would like to just uh, recap all five and then ask for a motion to approve the five payments to school districts. First is so no uh, P. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. So nothing on the nothing on the screen. No, if you can I, get them. Well, if you can get them up there quickly, great. But if not, yeah, yeah. it's going to be it's going to be tough, Skylar. But you can try. And for the public's um, reference, these have been published on our website in the pre-meeting packet for review. So. Right. Uh, PO 8804, Great Oaks Career Campuses, $495,469.64. The next one is 8805, Indian Hill Exempted Village Schools, $2,597,404 and two cents. 8806 is Princeton City Schools. And that's eight one hundred eighty-three thousand six seventy-six and fifty-two cents. Eight eight oh seven is Deer Park Schools, two hundred and seventy-seven thousand eighty-eight dollars and twenty-one cents. And finally, eighty-eight oh eight Sycamore Schools, eighty-seven thousand nine hundred nine and twenty cents. I would ask for a motion to approve. Motion to approve. And a second. All right, you broke up a little bit, Mr. LaBarbera seconded. Any discussion as to these? Mr. Porter, will you call the roll? Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. Thank you. I now have 10 uh, operating POs. All of this money has been appropriated by the board, and uh, we have been encumbering it or putting POs against the uh, the money, just kind of rateably as we do two things, get a handle on our spending and move uh, to the new software. So I'll go quickly through the 10. Um, first is 8726A dump fees for $7,333. Next is 8729B, this is uh, material, road materials, just miscellaneous various things, $50,000. 8730A is for building cost maintenance, $4,000. Um, next is 8732B for uh, uh, miscellaneous, once again, road materials, uh, $32.59 and 11 cents. 8733B is uniform, road uniforms, $3,622.34. Uh, 8734A, uh, contract services for roads, $11,652.52. 8736B, fleet repair for road vehicles, $10,319.78. 8776A, this actually comes out of the uh, JET, local uh, uh, JEDs for uh, park expenses, 
33,334 in no sense. 88.10, this one is, the account is called Trash Pass. It's for $35,000. I'm not sure that relates to the cost of this most recent single trash pass event, but I don't know. And I think Tracy, I think Tracy has to look into that. But anyway, uh, that's that one. And then finally, uh, 8743A, uh, fire prevention. This is uh, uh, money to pay uh, our contracted fire inspector, 31844.62. I would ask for the board's approval of those 10 operating. Motion to approve. And a second, second. All right, any questions or discussion about any of those POs from anyone? All right, Mr. Porter, will you call the roll list of those? Mr. LaBarra? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. I have three that uh, I think we'll do separately. First is uh, 8809, and it's for the ESID fees and assessments. Um, for the residential electric service uh, setup that we have. Uh, goes to Pacewell 2 LLC, uh, and it's for 157540 Motion to approve. Second. Any discussion? And for the public's reference, these ESID fees are fees that are collected through uh, tax mechanisms, is that correct? And then dispersed back out, but not a cost to the township. That's right. Okay. It's a pass through. Thank you. Um, Mr. Porter, will you call the roll, please? Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. The next is uh, uh, PO 8812, and this is for the Kenwood Town Place. This is the pass through to the Port Authority on the Kenwood Collection Garage. And it's seven hundred twenty-one thousand nine hundred fifty-two dollars and eighty-seven cents. Motion. Second. Any discussion? Mr. Porter. La Barbara. Jim, your video uh, faded. I, Mr. Would James, you, would you repeat your vote, please, Jim? I. All right. Uh, thank you. I. Mr. James. All right. Aye. Mr. Weedman. Aye. Okay. Finally, is PO 8811 for your consideration. This would be the, the bond anticipation note that we're getting ready to renew. The, the township historically on this one has been aggressively paying down the road portion as opposed to the, the maintenance portion. And so if we went ahead and paid $279,229.02, that would completely retire the road portion and uh, leave the rest of the funds flexible from the standpoint that whether they were renewed again as a ban or funded with a, a bond offering, all of those costs then could be paid out of TIF money uh, and we wouldn't have uh, to do two, two things at once. So if you'd want to do that, it, it kind of follows what we've been doing, and it would make that uh, set of money, if you will, clean. By the way, uh, Fairfield ended up, uh, their issue at 0.22, and uh, Andy Brossert, our bond guy, is predicting uh, when we do ours next week, uh, 
that will probably be in the 0.27 to 0.35 range simply uh, because we have, uh, it's callable and we have a little uh, lesser credit rating than Fairfield. So that's kind of what we're looking at right now. So uh, PO 8811, I'd ask the board uh, to a uh, motion to approve. So can I, before I uh, make a motion, can I, uh, can I get a better understanding of this? So we're talking about 200, how much? 272,000, is that correct? 279. $279,000. And if we, we could either pay it off or we could finance it with the rollover that we're doing at uh, around a 0.25 to 0.30, is that correct? That is correct. So in other words, we would take the 279,000, which we're making 1.2 at roughly right now, and we would spend that instead of financing at 1.25, 1.27, whatever we might be at. And so we're, we're missing out on almost an entire percentage point in interest on the 279,000, is that correct? That math is correct. Okay, thank Which you. A per a percent of that it isn't much and it cleans it up and gets it nimble, I guess, for going forward. And so, that's so, what that's what we've been doing. So okay, so this cleans up the other funds, so they're purely TIF at that point for what would be reissued as bonds. What what consideration should we take into account as we consider that? Then is it an accounting headache to uh, not have that cleaned up now as opposed to refinancing it because? Number-wise, basically, I guess we do make a little money if we don't redo it, but if the administrative hassle of hanging on to it versus the little bit of money it would bring in is worth considering, can you explain? Well, I can't plead that it's an administrative hassle because that's what we do here is we administrate. So it's not that. Uh, I'm just simply in my sick little mind, I just like to clean it up and get it nimble. That's, mm -hmm. that's the reason I bring it before you. Mm -hmm. Okay. It, is there a motion as to approving this PO? Mr. Porter, do you want to weigh in on this? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Porter, okay, maybe you can just, Mr. Porter, maybe you can just address the math, make sure that I'm uh, that I'm not misstating anything. No, I, I think everyone agrees on the math. Um. So in other words, in other words, we're giving up about a point per, a percent on this money if we don't pay it off and then we keep it in we keep it in our investments as we currently have it. Is that correct? Which is That's correct. yeah, just under three thousand dollars. Okay. And I'll make a motion to approve it. Is there a second? I'm going to hold off on seconding it right now. It appears Mr. Weedman is too. Um, unless there's a compelling reason to do this versus not, I understand it would clean things up and I'd, I'd like to pay off debt, of course, here. But um, my understanding is with the bonds that we will be issuing, they'll be callable on 30 days notice and we could pay it off anyway if we want then. Um, so this doesn't really add to the cost of doing that, might still earn a little more money. Um, I'm, I'm inclined not to second for that reason. Mr. Warwick, do you want to plead a case for going otherwise? No, I've said my piece. I, I can move on in life. And uh, okay. 
Rob, I'll, I'll give you a new number on the check run because oh, okay. uh, that check comes out now. Okay. Okay. All right. Then and I'm, we will. I'm fine with that, Tom. Mr. James, I'm fine with that. I'm fine. Okay. All right. Well, uh, so motion failed or is withdrawn, one or the other, but we will move on. Um, anything else, Mr. Warwick? That's all I have. All right. Uh, then we have a fiscal officer report, uh, and we need an updated number there then, I guess. Do you need a moment for that as to the check run? No, I have it. The check run number, the new check run number would be 5 million and 59,917 and 18 cents. And receipts are 11 million, $99,941 and 52 cents. The reason for the large, uh, our taxes came in and as you uh, heard that we paid a lot of the money out to the schools. That's why the large number this month. Yeah. All right. Uh, is there a motion to approve? Motion to approve. Is there a second? Second. All right. Any further discussion? There is a second. That? Okay. Thank you. Any further discussion? Mr. Porter, will you call the roll on that then, please? Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. All right. Uh, Mr. Porter, anything else as to bills and receipts? Nothing further. All right. Thank you, sir. Um, trustee comments then. We'll move on to that. Mr. Weedman, you are up. Yeah, I have a couple of uh, items. Um, I received some communication from a Dillonville resident uh, concerned about uh, parking and no parking zones uh, throughout Dillonville uh, by some residents, but especially by um, uh, delivery trucks that are creating what she considers to be a safety issue. I'm working with Lieutenant Tara on this to address the situation. Hopefully we can find some kind of resolution on that. Um, the other thing is, as a member of the uh, Hamlin County uh, COVID defense team, I can tell you that distribution of the both the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine continues. Uh, and we're hopeful that the J&J uh, &J vaccine will be back on stream shortly. Um, uh, I know that uh, there was a question of, uh, of the number the number of units of vaccine that were allocated to the uh, homebound program. And I believe uh, countywide, the, the first number was 1,000 units of, uh, of vaccine. Um, I think we're using nine, if, if the chief is, uh, if I remember what chief said, we're using nine of those units. Um, there is always room for additional allocation, but I think that was the original uh, seed of, uh, of uh, units of vaccine was a thousand. So uh, um, a combination of that, we're hoping that the J&J &J is back online because it allows us to get give, give only one shot to, to people that are homebound. Um, it's also going to be pretty critically important. Uh, the, the plan originally was using J&J &J to get the students uh, vaccinated before they leave campus uh, throughout, throughout all the campuses in Ohio. And uh, by doing that with one vaccine, one vaccine shot, it's much better than two. So uh, that's where we're at on the vaccine. Um, uh, finally, uh, I will just address the, uh, the original comments that Mr. James had at the beginning of the meeting, and that is that... Um, um, if you follow this case, these cases at all, you will find that uh, um, uh, there are some serious there are some serious allegations made that are completely false. And uh, at the, at the uh, advice of my attorney, I'm not going to go into detail about these, but um, um, you can pull them up on your on the uh, on the um, 
website of the uh, of the clerk of courts, both in Warren County and in Hamilton County. And um, I'm sure that at the end of the day, I'm, I'm confident that uh, um, I will prevail in both of those cases. But uh, at this time, I say nothing more about that. So I'll move on. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Weedman. Question while you're speaking about the Hamilton County Township Association. You were uh, trying to organize a meeting originally for April 29th, I think. Has there been progress on that? Yeah, so we had a little conflict with um, uh, a couple of the legislators that were, we were hoping to get to, to speak. And so we're probably moving into the early beginning, beginning of May, uh, middle of May latest. And um, uh, I should have some more information. I'm still trying, it's, it's tough to navigate because um, as you know, uh, we got a number of townships in Hamilton County and they all have uh, uh, their meeting dates. And so I have to take those dates that aren't meeting dates by somebody and then try to co coordinate that with the uh, legislators that we're going to bring in. Mm -hmm. If they're in if they're in session uh, in Columbus, uh, it's tough for them. Uh, obviously, we're going to be do doing Zoom, but some of them go back and forth. And so that might we might be catching them during their travel schedule if they had uh, subcommittee meetings. So it's kind of tough to navigate, but we're still working on it. And I, it's not probably not going to be the 29th, but I'm hoping to, to have it to be somewhere between the beginning and middle of May. So we'll we'll keep you updated as soon as we have a we've nailed down an, uh, a date. We'll be able we'll be getting it out there. Okay, thank you. I, I know I've uh, nagged you about this sometimes, but I know it's also very hard to bring all those people together with all the different things you have to juggle, and you're doing it as a volunteer. So thank you very much for doing that, Mr. LaBarber, Any comments? Mr. LaBarbera, you're up. I think we might have a connection problem. I'm breaking up a lot. Uh, we can hear you, your video is Greg Kesterman and uh, Denise Driehaus, the commissioner on the American Rescue Plan Act, and there is no update on that. Um, so uh, there's nothing moving on the American Rescue Plan Act. Uh, they're encouraging people to get uh, vaccinated. Uh, we're still level three, red, in Hamilton County, and we're going to be there, he said, for the next couple of weeks. And the good news is 39% of the population has been vaccinated in Hamilton County. Uh, that's If you take away the under 16 that can't be vaccinated, uh, that picks it up to about 44% of the residents of Hamilton County have been vaccinated. So uh, that's good news. And no shift in uh, the numbers. Uh, yesterday, they had 90 numbers cases, 101 cases per day has been the average for the last week. Just stay healthy, stay safe, everybody. All right. And I've got nothing further to add for comments of my own. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we have some announcement changes and then one other thing to do here. Uh, the Larchfield Plainfield Improvements Open House uh, style public meeting that the county engineer is having, which we are hosting, is at the township building on Thursday, April 29th from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, at Township Administration Building, 8540 Kenwood Road. So if you're interested in the road diet proposal, diet proposal. for Plainfield Road, I hear Plainfield some road. feedback from somebody's microphone there. Uh, that is scheduled. Check our calendar for other scheduled meetings and events. And uh, now I'll move to adjourn into executive session with Law Director Deepak Desai as permitted by Ohio Revised Code Section 121.22 to consider pending litigation. And into that, I will invite Mr. Porter, Mr. LaBarbera, Mr. Desai, Mr. Warwick, Mr. Miller, and Mr. Kellums. Mr. Weedman will be recusing himself from that meeting, I understand. 
Um, is there a second as to that motion? Second. No, All right. There's a second. Okay, thank you. We, um, Mr. Porter, will you call the roll as to that motion, please? Uh, Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. And let me ask before you go further, Mr. Desai, should should Mr. Weedman vote on adjourning into executive session or should he recuse himself from that under the circumstances? You're muted. Mr. Weedman should vote on the motion and then um, if he deems it prudent to recuse himself, he can do it at that time. Okay, thank you. I'm sorry to interrupt you then, Mr. Porter, if you'll continue. Mr. Weedman. Aye. All right, thank you. We will adjourn into executive session then currently it is 8.40 p.m. Uh, we'll all be moving into another Zoom room here and then we'll return when we are done with that. So thank you. Do we, uh, will we get an invite? Okay, thank you. See you everybody later. Thanks, Rob. Yep. Have a good night. See ya. Mr. Rebo, can we have a uh, couple minute break?
your dinner in the oven. You're making dinner for us? What? <laughs> All right. So we are back live waiting on Mr. Weedman to pop back in there, I think, if he's going to. Mr. Warwick's back. Mr. Porter's back. All right. There we go. All right. Um, got my gavel. Might as well bang it. We are back from executive session. It is 8.54 p.m. Um, and is there any further business to take care of? Call the roll. You should call the roll. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Thank you. Call the roll. Yes. Mr. Porter, would you please do that? Uh, Mr. LaBarbera. Not sure he heard you because of the Wi-Fi problem. I'm present. Oh. Uh, present. Mr. James. Mr. James. I'm here. Here. Mr. Weedman. Present. And for the record, Mr. Weedman never left, I suppose, technically. So, all right. Everyone is back from an executive session. Um, I will present a motion here. I move that the uh, that Sycamore Township hire the law firm of Certic, Dowd, and Turner to handle uh, the responses to the subpoenas and records requests served upon the township and township officials in the Weedman versus Hildebrandt suit pending in Warren County, Ohio, and for the administrator to be authorized to execute the engagement agreement with that firm. Is there a second? There is a second. All right, Mr. LaBarbera has, has second, seconded. Any discussion? All right, Mr. Porter, will you call the roll, please? Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? No. I'll make a motion to adjourn. Is there a second? I'll second. There is a second. All right. Very good. I think we can agree on that at least. Let's get out of here. So let's have a vote. Mr. Porter, call the roll, please. Uh, Mr. LaBarbera? Aye. Mr. James? Aye. Mr. Weedman? Aye. We did all agree on something. Very good. This meeting's adjourning at 8.56 p.m. Have a good evening, everyone. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>